and welcome to yet another episode of the Dicer Screaming Podcast. Oh. Like the Rat Patrol, brought to you by Kraft Cheese. <laughs> all right, welcome, and it's Tuesday, it's Stop Tuesday, we're all here, all excited and fit and fine pedal. Oh, we what are. Is, what does pedal mean? I don't know. I, I've never actually figured out where what? the fettle the is, or what precisely it is comprised of. I, I have no idea what the fettle is. Yeah, what the fettle is fettle. I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. No, I actually do not. We're just being uh, s- I'm silly here. I'm a fettle of fettle. Oh, no. Fettle of fettle? Wow. <laughs> you fall in? <laughs> I'm being stewed alongside the rest of it. Oh. oh. Let's see. No. I prefer to be pickled. Oh. Yeah. All right. Yeah, they can steep me in fine scotch. Yeah. Oh. It's a... Uh, Got an ancestor who tragically drowned at a whiskey facility. Really? Yeah, he fell into one of the vats. Oh, wow. Uh, they did their best to rescue him, but he managed to fight them off for about three hours. <laughs> <laughs> Finally succumbing to his drunken <laughs> depths. Yeah, well, hey, you know, there's Took worse. everything he had. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, thank God the whiskey's safe. Well, yeah, at least the Irish. Leave it up to them. <laughs> Uh Yep, no, so it's uh getting up onto that time, isn't it? It's uh, March the tenth, so almost uh, St. Patty's Day. Oh yeah, my Irish soon. dander is up. Oh, oh your dander. Oh. Yeah, there will be well oh geez. March fourteenth. Man. Yeah, and I got a surgery coming up after that, so oh, yeah. I can't go completely nuts. Oh, oh boy. Gotta behave myself relatively. But <laughs> You can be sure. There will be some festivities. Well, More than just corned beef and cabbage, but yeah. Yes. Well, there will be... There will Mike, be... you can keep the corned beef. You can give him the corned beef and keep the cabbage. He... Yeah, corned beef and scotch. Mm. <laughs> ah. well, and, of course, potatoes. Yeah, so we had some call-ins. Um, well, I think uh, we'll start out with Jason's. Uh, we talked about uh, our Operation Sun Devil, which was just basically uh, covering an anniversary 30 years ago, which, uh, hey, we're just going to let Jason uh, tell you what his thoughts on it, and then uh, we'll be right back after these messages. So stick around. Hey, guys, Jason here. Enjoyed your, your little episode on um, Grub Cyberpunk and the history there and the court case against Steve Jackson games and all that. It was pretty good stuff. There's a lot of neat things going, you know, when you look back at the history of the hobby, you can find some interesting connections and some interesting, you know, stories. So, enjoyed that. Looking forward to your next episode. Keep up the great work. Yeah, quite agree. Uh, You know, it was an extremely interesting time. There's a lot more stories than that. Uh, However, that was the one that, in a very timely sense, had the anniversary had just popped up on it. So, it was... Well worth taking a little time out, because, wow, you know, things like that don't happen every day, and it certainly hasn't repeated itself in the the history of gaming. Uh, There have not been that many incidents where gaming was embroiled in something that large. Uh, No, it was was a big uh, moment in time, um, mostly because the uh, Secret Service uh, 
raided the offices. They never took uh, Steve Jackson to court or uh, also cleared up. Lloyd Blankenship was never charged in any of that. He was just kind of an accessory to the fact that got them started onto this whole path in the beginning. Yeah, there was no actual crime committed that started this, which is what makes it such a unique case. Yeah, they didn't know how to serve a warrant. So it was Steve Jackson games versus the United States Secret Service, which won two out of three, which is pretty good as... Yeah, they they were not taken to court. Uh, they took the government to court yep. and won on two out of three counts. Which you know, hey, heroes of gaming, Where right? You go boys, you won one for the Gipper. You know, yep. you, you showed them that uh, gamers don't just lump it. Uh, yeah. Hey, we're rules lawyers by trade. This this is our hobby. Our lifeblood is reading the fine print and then going. Actually, this is the way that's supposed to work. The actually guy is a rules lawyer. (laughs) We're an entire hobby niche of, you know, well, actually guys. Yeah. (laughs) But not actually those guys. Okay. Yeah, well, actually. (laughs) Yeah, and uh, as always, uh, uh, thanks again, Jason. I'm glad you enjoyed the podcast. Hope everybody did as well listening to it. It was less about, you know, the ins and outs of gaming as it was kind of a bad really bad uh time and uh, fortunately as they like to say in the uh aftermath of everything all's well that ends well well yeah yeah, it was a rough road for steve jackson at the time i think though the one good thing that can be looked at it is that it did pave the way for electronic frontier foundations legal team to get some experience and to be primed to go to bat for other uh, cases in the future so, and speaking of things from the future, uh, Joe Ricker, yeah, Joey, got your message, yeah, uh, we're going to play it right here, so uh, we'll be right back. Nope, 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 nope. Uh, there is no rubric by which Sly Stallone's friggin' Judge Dredd is better than Cobra. Cobra, not a great movie, but kind of a kick-ass movie, kind of a sweet-ass 80s movie, Judge Dredd has no redeeming qualities at all. It is awful on every level. Holy crap, that's a terrible movie. So, yeah, like, (laughs) I don't know what you're smoking over there, Randy, but you might want to put it down, dude, and watch those two movies again. (laughs) Anyway, dudes. And, Mike, I heard you. I heard you defending it a little bit. Good for you, dude. Good on you. Good on you. All right, boys. Peace out. All right. Well, hey, Joe. Uh, Well, um, no, I don't smoke crack, but uh, (laughs) I think you might actually need the one to put something down. Um, No, what we were talking about directly was the... You've got the wrong member of the podcast. (laughs) I'm the insane one. What we were talking about is uh, Judge Dredd, how awful it was. Uh, oh, yeah. I am the law. Oh, my gosh. Almost a walk out of the movie moment right there. Um, yeah, yeah, that, that version was particularly that awful. That is awful. Uh, Sly did not bring the A-game, but also, once again, it was Hollywood. Hollywood did to something we love a great deal, like in a, a sibling rivalry gone horribly wrong. Like, they just... Destroy something, a toy you love, right in front of you, just to watch you. Holy allegories, hurt. Batman! Yeah, I just it, you can almost feel the menace in it. Like, I'm gonna burn the hair off this doll. You know, just whoa, wow, 
creepy. Why would you do that to me? And all we were that's talking about was the Cobra movie, but no, uh, okay, no, no. That, yeah, that, that was that's no that's a horrible, either. horrible film, and uh, I'm, gl- I'm glad somebody likes it. It I mean, fits the classic '80s mold, though. Okay, I mean, if you're talking early 1980s like action cop esque movies, you know that it, it does fit the profile of that. There was a lot of lot of movies in that that genre oh yeah tough cop has to get tough on crime because crime's really tough oh yeah you know there was so much of that so it's hard to distinguish it amidst the crowd but no the the judge dread movie was terrible but we always love judge dread the 2018 comics and that's what we're trying to talk to you about but it gets lost in translation because you're talking to guys who complete each other's sentences so yeah we're, we're always in the same general zone uh you know, even like if we're airlifted onto a different planet, you know, we're in the same headspace. So, but to reiterate, <laughs> since I was called out on that one, um, no, I can. Uh, we're not going to. Yeah, I just. That. We're not. Yeah, we're not going to get into that. Um, no, <laughs> Judge Dredd with Sylvester Stallone is awful, terrible, just absolutely abominable. And oh, I mean, I'm pretty sure more. somebody will call in, Jason. Um, we'll and tell depend it. And okay, no. you know what? If you enjoyed the movie and if that's your, you know, um, oh. I actually had my friend Scott Bonnie come in and say, well, you know, the eat recycle food was a funny part of it. Yeah, but oh, okay. really, uh, having to sit through Sylvester Stallone hey. with platform heels, he's short, terribly short, <laughs> um, and really <laughs> sensitive about it. Um, he was great in Demolition Man. That was oh, yeah, you know what? If, if, if Judge Dredd, if you took every part of Judge Dredd that was salvageable, which I think was 10 minutes, <laughs> and put it in a Demolition Man, it would have been much better. I mean, there yeah. is a certain part that Demolition Man wasn't not trying to be anything other than just, it didn't take itself too seriously, yeah. it didn't take itself too literally, it wasn't copying anything, but it was homaging so many different things at the same time that were spliced into it. Oh yeah, this was not like uh, a shot-for-shot remake. You know, they they didn't. Uh, uh, that was back when Hollywood made original movies instead of like franchise yeah. release number thirty-seven. Yeah, you know, there's release a, number thirty-eight. Who knows the secret of the three seashells? Franchise. I don't. Re- I'm still wondering about that. You know, it's been like twenty-five years. I'm like, what do the three seashells do? Yeah, I want to know. He doesn't oh, yeah. know about the three seashells. Yeah, but he certainly knows how to work the uh, profanity monitor. Oh, yeah, which, I mean, same answer I would have. <laughs> you know, I would give a colorful explanation of what you can do with your three seashells and then yeah, use the paper appropriately. But, yeah, sorry about that, Joe, if you misheard <laughs> us. It was not our intention to praise Judge Dredd. No. And, again, no. if anybody likes Cobra, I mean, I'm glad you did. I mean, uh, somebody had to. I just consider it a stinker. Just an absolute boatload of uh, manure. Ah, and you know what? I probably get in the headset too often where it's sometimes hard to watch uh, movies from that time period that just do not stand up to some of the stuff people do today. And I, I try real hard to kick back, suspend my disbelief, and let something just be what it was. Uh, but it's hard to do. It's hard to do once you've seen movies that are over-the-top amazing that I never imagined anything being that good. Uh, oh boy, if you told me in 1985 that uh, Lord of the Rings was going to be like the live-action version, 
my first gut instinct then would have been, oh, oh man, uh, you know, I don't know if the special effects exist for that. You know, yeah. they're, they're going to wind up cutting a bunch of stuff and it's, it's going to be really substandard. That's where my brain would have been. Well, we had the Ralph Bashke cartoon, Lord of the Rings, and then uh, yeah. the continuation, uh, Return of the King, something like that. From uh, Rankin and Bass. Yeah, Rankin uh, and Bass, thank you. And those animations were cute, but I would have had zero confidence back then. Yeah. And then, boy, you know, some of the greatest film experiences of my life. I mean, I know some people complained, oh, I spent all that time walking. <laughs> I've sat there enraptured. I, I did not mind those three-hour trips to the theater. I was, this is the best day ever! Well, there's a reason why Sarah Thungle oh. is in the director's cut, because it didn't really make that much of an impact yeah. on the screen time during the movie, but at home, when you know you can binge watch as, turn it on, turn it off as much as you want. Yeah, I mean, at home, it's like, you know what this needs? <laughs> this three-hour movie needs more. Three-hour, yeah. Yeah, that when Let's you can pause, more scenes in this one. When you can hit pause and find a restroom at your leisure, uh, man. Or go cook up, you know, a no big old just too much. Big old plate eggs and bacon, and just sit there and have your breakfast right in front of the TV. Yeah, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We we're binging this this weekend. It just got booked, you know. I, exactly. Or you oh, know, man, I really. Yeah, I've got a surgery coming up no. uh, next week, and no. I think I know what. If I've got a four-day block where nothing <laughs> is going to be done after that surgery, I think I know what I'm just... I'm, I'm going to invest my time in. Uh, you can borrow our Blu-ray. All right. Well, at that, uh, we're well, yeah, going we to... Sh- we should actually do a podcast. Yeah, we should. We should. We? We should uh, <laughs> just sit around here being all chummy. See, so thanks- this is what you get when you dial in to... The warm egg salad sandwich of gaming podcasts. You know. Oh man! How hungry are you? You know, do you, are you ready to take that risk? Who brought the egg salad sandwiches? <laughs> New from Gatel. It's five neat guys. Five neat guys. Oh uh, yeah. Oh the era of. Band. Yeah, so anyway, uh, thanks, Joe, and uh, thanks for the call-in. And uh, yeah, um, not on crack, but hey, man, uh, glad you at least got some laughs out of it. <laughs> so uh, hopefully the rest of you guys did too. We're going to take a break. Not pause for station identification because there is no identifying with us. And uh, we're just going <laughs> to do some advertisements. We'll be back after the break, so stick around. <laughs> All right, and welcome back. Uh yeah, the Worm Egg Salad Sandwich of Podcast Gaming. That's us. Uh, you, what you get in for, you're definitely going to be paying for later. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. You're not a pretty picture. Not suitable for a closed car or a cramped elevator. Yeah. Worm Egg Salad Sandwich on a warm day. Yeah. In a car with the windows that don't work. Oh, left up on the dashboard. Questionable choices. <laughs> Lead to consequences. Gas station sushi. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no. Um. So yeah, what are we gonna do for podcasts other than sit around and BS all night? Well, actually, uh, we do actually have a topic, and what we're gonna talk about is other systems than those that use a die twenty. Now, it doesn't say that the die twenty isn't occasionally picked up and rolled around, but we do spend a lot of time talking about die twenty game systems, and um, we do. 
admittedly. And yeah, there's a reason for that. They're highly successful. They're a lot of fun. And who doesn't love rolling a die 20? I mean, come on. It's like the funnest of all dice. It's become iconic, which is why we're going to give some time to the other dice that dominate systems. Because uh, how many memes feature the die 20? Okay? Yeah, almost like all. Like all the memes. Yeah. Uh, the die 20 gets all the attention. I mean, it's it's the, uh, the cat in the chair at the restaurant with the sassy look on its face. It's the Oh, it's that, the smudge in the yeah. uh, ladies of Orange County or it, wives of Orange County or whatever it is. Exactly. And it just sucks all the oxygen out of the room. So, you know, not to diss the D20, whom we love and respect. It's our old traditional favorite. But it's nice to take a look at some of the other systems uh, piece by piece and the other dice that they feature. Now, Speaking of sassy cats. Yeah, I know, right? I know, Star Park guests and all the animals have to be a part of the show. Which, <laughs> see, this podcast is actually very clever, but only at a frequency that animals can hear. So, Wow, that explains why. Yeah. <laughs> see, it's been eluding me all this time, but now <laughs> you're coming out with this explanation. But yeah, Mike's right. I mean, there's, okay, so the Humble Die 6. I mean, it's ubiquitous. It's good when you start. first. Good starter. That's a good one to start with. When you first uh, crack open a box game, a board game, it's the die six that there's to greet you, along with the Pop-O-Matic and Spinner. And, worth mentioning, I mean, the die six is familiar because pretty much most of the Hoyle-level classic games of chance and Vegas-style games, they all deploy six-siders. Yeah. Uh, the games that you pick up from uh, uh, Parker Brothers or Milton Bradley, you know, these feature die sixes constantly. Uh, so it it's probably the first one that any gamer, even a long time ago, you opened that box, uh, there were a bunch of dice you didn't recognize and had never worked with before, mm-hmm. but there was one that you automatically recognized. This is a six-sided die. And that was the one you recognized. I still have some uh, outdated Vegas dice. You know, the, the cast-offs that oh, okay, you know, they, yeah. they sell them yeah. After they've been used for a game, because, you know, they, they break open fresh for every game, uh, and they discard afterwards, and those recycled dice get sold, uh, you know, to ensure that you're always breaking open brand new, never-before-used dice for certain games. I have some of those Vegas cast-off six-siders, and I love them. Still oh, got yeah. sharp edges. Oh, yeah. Um, well, I mean, who hasn't rated a Yahtzee set for a oh, yeah. bunch of uh, D6s? And so, it would be natural that minigames would use them. So, starting right up, it's Traveler. And, of course, oh, the, yeah. you know, Traveler, like, did, don't need no fancy dice for this game. Just get out your D6s and uh, roll up your character, and hopefully he'll live through the character generation process. Just kidding, I know that's a trope, and... <laughs> yeah, I like to make some fun of it here and there, but... Well. We can't even mention Traveler. I mean, it's like me with repeat jokes. Okay? Yeah, I know. I, I hate to do that, it because it's just kind of getting cringy. I don't. I don't at all. Well, all right. I guess that proves the point that I am like that. But, <laughs> you know, <laughs> getting a little less meta here, yeah. it's one of the signatures of classic Traveler that it proved the versatility and the limitations of the six-sider. Uh, and by having both... You know, the unusual charting techniques to figure out what 
range of scores you could generate with a die six or a set series of die six rolls, uh, they simultaneously displayed the limitations of that system, uh, which initially led to some incidental character deaths early on. Um, but we forgive them because it was a great game and it was a lot of fun. Well, yeah, I mean, it, definitely how you could generate and uh, how they expanded the use of the Dysic system uh, for almost everything and almost to a ludicrous... You know, there there are other dice besides die sixes now. Yeah, but we're just going to keep using them. Well, two dice. It kind of became with them like almost like a point of existence, the reason Datra that they needed. Just to prove a point, they're just going to keep using die sixes. But now, worth mentioning, uh, two die six yields a range of results from two to twelve. Uh, deducting one, that effectively gives you from one to eleven. And if you treat eleven as roll again, you've got die ten essentially. Mm -hmm. uh, so you know there's a certain versatility to the system that can even lend itself to percentile dice with a slight skew one direction or another. Um, See, that proves that just people ice skate uphill just to prove that they can. Yeah. <laughs> now, of course, most of us would go, well, you know, you could just use percentile dice. It, all right, yes. Okay. <laughs> and eventually, people did. But Traveler did it first. Now, who else specialized in the six-sided? Oh, well, uh, we would be remiss. I, we didn't say that the champions, soon uh, later to be called the Hero System, the Bucket of Die 6, the start of the Bucket of Die 6. Oh, yeah. Uh, that was uh, the Hero System and later GURPS. We're going to kind of lump them together a little bit. Not that GURPS was a Bucket of Dice. It's, no, no. But it's pretty much, uh, I mean, I think it was uh, Steve Jackson in games that uh, used the Fantasy Trip uh, and all that uh, Fantasy uh, yeah, that led to GURPS. Yeah, that, ah. was, that was their uh, kind of like their their initial uh, outing for a fantasy role playing game. Oh. They originally came up with a set of combat rules and a magic, set of magic rules and stuff that uh, were kind of meant to be a supplemental to Dungeons and Dragons, not necessarily uh, as its own game. Like, okay, get rid of this combat system and use this. this maybe I'll, you'll like it, maybe you won't. Sort of thing. They weren't really uh, militant about it at first, but uh, later, other, like many things, uh, the fan base got a hold of it and it turned militant. But we're not going to talk about that no. because GURPS is a fine game. And uh, one of the things that when you talk about uh, GURPS and even the hero system later on, uh, they really offered a ver versatility into the die six system that, uh, you know, along with a points uh, buy in and advantages and disadvantages that allowed you really to diversify your character and make it the kind of character you wanted. Now, and, that was a cardinal feature of the GURPS system. Was yeah, and customizability, the, quirks. Yeah, players. and the, the, the champion system as well uh, with uh, the superhero role-playing, you know, being able to uh, buy disadvantages, which were right out the gate kind of assumed with superheroes. You know, that with every kind of superhero came certain kind of quirks or... <laughs> It's Our Man. He's invisible for one hour until he has to take his magic pill, which he carries in a, in a capsule in his neck, around uh, his neck. Or, uh, my magic ring totally kicks everything's butt, except the color yellow. 
<laughs> so I'm like except one plaid. Nicot- I'm one nicotine and stain it's... away from death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, <clears throat> it affects everything in plaid, and unfortunately, you're playing in the 1960s, so everybody. Oh, oh, oh man, plaid is everywhere, and this is why I keep telling you hippies are bad. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, but GURPS also uh, lent itself well while picking up different things uh, from a variety of systems. GURPS, longtime favorite of a lot of uh, my friends. I am not a big player of it, but I have participated in number ones. GURPS has also lent itself to uh, Prime Directive and uh, licensed out to numerous other uh, games, as well as they even have a version of GURPS Traveler and, uh, of course, their GURPS Fantasy. Um, which, and uh, they just released a new, uh, geez, what is the name of that game system? Somebody will probably call and tell me where I'm wrong, but, uh, Steve Jackson just released a Kickstarter of their old, uh, fantasy trip, Melee and, uh, Wizard, hmm. Wizardry, which were really good, um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, there, that was a good game, um, based on the fact that both uh, the hero system, which used a whole bunch of D6s for various things. And then uh, GURPS, which was pretty much just a standard 3 die 6 um, led themselves pretty well to a versatility of gaming systems that were just basically mathematics. They weren't dependent so much on the stricture of the dice rolls, interpreting everything for them as they were when you built your character. It was just a number. It's a formula that you worked off of. So, you know, thanks to them, again, within the limitations of die 6 and then the next one. And when we talk about buckets of dice, <laughs> there's only one system that features buckets of dice. I think yeah. there was a there's a recent meme on the internet. You can look it up, where a uh, truck dropped a bunch of uh, Chessex dice. <laughs> and somebody made over. a shadow run reference. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, I- great! Finally, I've got enough dice to play a shadow run get- campaign. Okay, you got a point. <laughs> And it's Shadowrun, right. As long as you don't play a Decker, in which case they'd better knock over another truck. <laughs> you might have to bring another one, yeah. <laughs> 700,000 dice sixes all over the place. Yeah, I've got it, uh, 700,000. <laughs> Three quarters of a million dice sixes on a freeway. Okay, oh. that's just enough to play a Shadowrun game. <laughs> yeah, because uh, you ain't wrong. Uh, you're I just playing... calculated my spell backlash. Yeah, oh. <laughs> yeah, true, true. Oh, God. Yeah, uh, Shadow Run deserves a little teasing for that one. It got a little excessive. Okay. Yep. Um, I mean, the, the the newer editions, of course, just like with the trope of the uh, killing your character during uh, character generation of Traveler. Yeah, the D six <laughs> for uh, Shadow Run. They've done a good job in trimming it back and keeping it down to just about. I think if I run uh, Shadow Run with just about a, a dozen. Yeah, I, I do have to say that this is not a true disc because it is a game that we have not only played frequently, but enjoyed immensely. It's just a terrific setting. and I think we play it more for the setting than the system, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, the setting is the big draw. It, it just has this wonderful mixture of Blade Runner is in a car crash with Tolkien. You know, and then out of, a, out of the mangled, burning wreckage is born Shadowrun. Yeah, if Token was crossing the street while <laughs> William Gibson was coming home from a late night bender. <laughs> from a rave. And they both decided after that chance meeting to sit down and write a book. Yeah. They That's what they would have wrote. Probably would have looked a lot like Shadowrun. Ah. Uh. 
So, yeah, can't say enough good things about it. But the use of the die sixes uh, became, I guess, the principal arbiter. Now, it was not the only dice used in Shadowrun, am I correct? Yeah, die six. That's it. Really? Oh, you man. don't do anything else. They're basically like, there's no other dice needed. Wow, not even in the earlier versions? Nope. Because I don't remember some of the earlier versions. Huh. But yeah, you were I doing mean, a lot of drugs back then. So yeah, well, all right, yeah, theoretically plausible. Uh, I was doing a lot of drinking myself, so you know we were both injuring our brain cells. Yeah, I, it just man. But yeah, yeah, Shadowrun's another big one, and they definitely made that die six work. But you needed lots of them. Some Swiss cheese in the brain from nineteen ninety or ninety one. Uh, now. Oh, I know. It was paranoia. That yeah, well, which we'll be covering. In a was, uh, you know, had other dice in it. Uh, the kimono just spluttered, folks. Yeah. Avert your eyes for those squeamish <laughs> at home. Ignore me! Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, the die sixes were notorious in Shadowrun, but uh, again, it was a moment that proved the versatility of a single die. And accommodations were made inside the mechanics, uh, you know, penalties or bonuses of like one or two or three or what have you, uh, to adjust the value of a roll upwards or downwards, depending on, say, for instance, if you're determining weapon damage uh, and you're using a very small, lighter weight weapon, you would still use a die six, but you would reduce downwards accordingly. Uh, and if you were using something of immeasurable power, you would use multiple die six plus whatever bonuses were appropriate. Uh, <laughs> and there were some marvelous weapons. Uh, the range and variety of weapons available in some of the books for Shadowrun. Uh, oh, if, if you yeah. just look at the tables for damage. Oh, yeah, it was always like adding, or, you know, numbers. But, uh, yeah, they were always, you know... It was it was crazy. They just went completely nuts with everything on Shadowrun. Yeah, it, it, I thought it was an extremely impressive array of different options because when you've created, say, for instance, a textbook with an extremely large variety of weapons, and you don't want them all to have universally the same damage, uh, there were inevitable differences in range, in penetration power. Uh, and, oh, let's see, the ability to conceal it or to suppress the sound from it, uh, and the modifications that could be potentially made to it, but they still managed to keep the damage tables widely varied to yeah. match the wide variety of weapons. So this took a much bigger leap forward in showing how versatile a single die can be Compared to, for instance, Traveler, which was a terrific original outing for the Die 6, but did not make as impressive an array of options. Uh, Shadowrun really pushed it forward, so i got to yep. give it that final nod. Well, for the uh, magnum opus of the Die 6 systems, I would say it's none better than Die 6 Star Wars from West End Games, which was also used for Men in Black, Ghostbusters, and... For the later offerings, uh, West End Game are Die Six Fantasy, Die Six Space, and Die Six Western. Um, much like uh, the 
hero system, they tried to lend themselves out pretty well, but they used the dice code, which was pretty much you used your attributes and expressions of die sixes. For instance, uh, your dexterity may be uh, three die six, or three dice plus one, so you'd roll three die six and add one. And uh, you might have a wild dice in there, a different colored one, and if that rolled a six, of course it would explode. If it rolled a one, it was a complication. By explode... Uh... The exploding die. It would literally explode, showering everybody with shrapnel, and you know, oh, yeah. paramedics would have to be Carnage called, and the everywhere. fire department. Every game ended in tears. Yeah. No. Um, an exploding die is uh, if you roll a six, yep. roll again, and add the two. If you roll another six, roll it a third time. And Keep rolling it until two. it quits rolling sixes. Now, yeah. There were some limits to that. but And there were some fabulous streaks. Which like oh, happened at the table right in front of us, where people would rack up like thirty points of damage in a single roll, and man, the Yahoo that sounded when that happened. Uh, that was that was occasion for great cheer. Yeah, it's usually those great shots, and um, it was a very balanced system, and it lent itself well to the kind of thematic role playing of Star Wars, the movies, and of course, this was before any of the prequels or any of the other stuff would come out, so. You know, uh, Fantasy Flight Games now publishes a, uh, well, did publish, it's now done, um, new system that used basically printed dice, which were basically, uh, they all have symbols on them, they're like die 8s, die 12s, and oh. die 6s, and so they all have instant numbers, some of them have no nothing on them, which means they're blanks, and you don't count them, some of them have successes and failures and all that. Huh. go along with it. So some have critical successes, which you know go up to die 12. And that the, brings us to another point, which is the customization of die. Yeah, um, which, yeah, we'll get into, we'll just finish out the die six here. Uh, West End Games also did a Men in Black, if you've had the chance to get your hands on I have a copy. Uh, it's not the comics, it's the movie. But, I mean, with a little bit of work, you could definitely uh, make it a one of the comics or X-Files, but uh, we talked about that a little bit previously anyway. Yeah, if you're system familiar, you should be able to fudge creatures instead of aliens and demons and, you know, bring an air of the authentic original comic back into... Or just some of the creepy stuff like, you know, Men in Black X-Files kind of edition where they're handling all sorts of things from alien invasions from ancient civilizations underneath the Earth werewolves for yep. no particular reason than, like, well, there's a werewolf outbreak. It's a wolf. Where? Right there. There wolf. Oh, no. What do you mean? No. It's over there. I thought you were playing that. I really want to play Werewolves of London by Warren Zevon now. Yeah. You just... always, anytime we talk about werewolves, that's what we do. And, well, you should. Werewolves of London. Yeah, a great song. No, that having been said... There's also uh, Ghostbusters, if you get your hands on that. Man, that's a great game to play. Uh, that's one where Greg Stafford yeah, got with the West End Games bunch, and they came up with a great idea for the Ghostbusters. Franchise it! Was it Stafford or Kostikian? Greg Stafford oh, uh, came on with board Mr. With Stafford. Huh. Mm -hmm. I got my Gregs mixed up. There's a lot of Gregs in the game. So, And then honorable mention would be Toon and Chwerps. And if you oh. know, I'm not familiar with Chwerps, it's the world's easiest role-playing system, which is just two dice six. Match your uh, skill and uh, ability level. Roll under that. And yeah. your success. That is all there is to it. Yep. It's that easy. And boy, you can just do a lot with it. Um, 
Splatoon, probably one of the underrated games of our time, and probably underplayed, because you really have to have a mentality. Uh, some stories I could tell, um, after dark, maybe we'll do that, of uh, certain illicit <laughs> substances smoked, no, and no. Uh, All pizzas. you really have to have done is loved cartoons yeah. in the, like, well, particularly the late 1960s and most of the 1970s. Uh, if you loved the Roadrunner cartoons uh, and Bugs Bunny and many of the other classic cartoons of that era, Toon is a magnificent homage to the entire genre, and it's all rooted in the Die 6. Yeah, I would say more or less the uh, mid to late 40s, early 50s kind of... Uh, oh, yeah, lots of that. MGM, too. Warner Brothers... All that stuff. If you were really into that uh, genre, yeah, you can make a good go at it. For me and my money, I, I guess that uh, there's a, a computer game, Cuphead, which uh, you're familiar with. Uh, definitely an expression of the Twitch um, button mashing is exceedingly hard. Uh, so, not for the pain of heart and uh, or the casual gamer. Uh, I... But yeah, Cuphead, definitely, if you get a chance, just check out some uh, YouTubes that could take you right back to the uh, days of yore of those black and white kind of jerky cartoons. But um, no, I, I still feel badly that Wild e, Wild e. Coyote uh, got none of the credit he deserved. You know, I mean, the guy is constantly maligned as a vicious roadrunner hunter, and nobody pays attention to the fact that he devoted himself to these amazing pictures of tunnels and roads. Uh, yeah. Hand-painted every single one. Almost convincingly. Yeah, just incredibly lifelike tunnels and roads. Even with actual trucks <laughs> driving out of the ones he paints. Yeah, you know, puts Bob Ross to shame. I, I mean, know. Did you ever see Bob Ross paint a tunnel and a road and then have a truck come out and hit him? No. It never it happened. Pales in comparison to the skills of Wiley. Kyle. And there you go. But yeah, Tune, another <laughs> one that just uses a simple system, but... Uh, uh, Literal universe of imagination just can be unlocked with a simple set of rules. So, oh yeah, I mean, and it, it, it's very much play what you want. So, if we have anything to say about the Die Six uh, games and the reason why we spent a lot of time uh, waxing on them and trying to summarize a lot of the game systems, from the humblest of dice come some of the best ideas. Yeah, and not trying to dismiss the die 20 or die 10s but no. uh, we're, now we're going to go into mike was already talking about the paranoia so uh, i'll let him take it away now we hit the one that had other dice uh you know paranoia was principally rooted in the percentile dice yeah the early system too uh used the variety of dice uh i think so although mm. I'm, I'm having a little difficulty recalling specifically uh, so many systems uh, I can't quite remember if the first incarnation of Paranoia was the one that exclusively used Tensiders. Okay. Uh, in fact, I, I actually think that was the version that used exclusively Tensiders. Mm -hmm. uh, and not only your statistics, but your skills, uh, you know, your uh, background, everything was resolved with percental dice in, I believe... The initial outing. Oh, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave some wiggle room on that. If anybody cares to correct me, I'm 100% open to it. Um, but I gotta say, it's an example of probably the most initially versatile dice choice of all for any system. 
a pair of percent of percental dice is just it's kind of the apex predator of dice. I mean, when you're dealing with a twenty sider, it's you know yeah. Now later, apparently, would switch over just to a die twenty before yeah. the die twenty was a thing, and you know. 1 to 20, generating at 5% per, you can mimic relatively similar rolls for a percentile. But at that point, you might as well just use actual percentile dice and get specific results. Uh, and in truth, there's a lot of merit to that. Yeah. 1 to 100, it gives you an enormous array of options. Oh, yeah, you can really skew it. So, yeah, well, all right, well, let's cast uh, Caution to the Winds and just go with the basic role-playing system. Uh, Call of Cthulhu, RuneQuest, Stormbringer. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, okay, RuneQuest, technically, we'll get them in chronological order. RuneQuest, Call of Cthulhu, and Stormbringer, Hawkmoon, and even Ringworld, and uh, Supers, Superworld. Um, yeah, all basic role-playing, and they use the percentile system. Um, attributes, of course, generated with 3 die 6 Yes. And, uh, of course, uh, various dice for damage and stuff like that. I think, I don't know how uh, to better top what you just said. So I'm just going to just fall on my sword on this one. Um, yeah, I, as far as I'm concerned, maybe uh, D&D with its uh, convoluted systems seems familiar and is the biggest one because it's the firstest with the mostest. But, boy, if uh, they didn't nail it. Oh. Uh, perfectly with that, did they? I mean, I don't think there's a better system that has been presented. I mean, I, that's just my money. I, I don't think that there is... which one? Then the basic role-playing. Oh, okay. The percentile. Um, well, giving it up for the percentile die. Um, there is a precision that you can achieve regarding a variety of options with percentile dice. Like, if you really want there to only be a 3% chance of a particular thing happening, <laughs> why 3? Well, because... Why not? <laughs> if you truly believe that, like... Uh, you can even go sub-table uh, and, you know, like, only 1% of the time you get this sub-table of elite encounters. Yeah, which you do see in the uh, uh, Dungeon Master's Guide, that Correct. there are sub-tables. You know, table, sub-table that encompasses an entire class of encounter. Uh, and if you look at things like the in random encounter charts uh, for travel by uh, type of climate and environment and degree of population, <laughs> you know, you begin to see just how incredibly flexible percental dice are. Only 1% of the time do you hit this sub-table of extremely rare, dangerous creatures and woe betide ye. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and it, worth mentioning, those encounter tables did not care what your level was. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, but I appreciated that, and I also noticed the, uh, in particular, the magical item charts in 1st edition Dungeons & Dragons. The First time that you would roll would be to determine the type of magical item. Uh, yeah, usually with a d20, and then then you would roll on the various tables with percentile. Yeah, you know, that still goes on with Pathfinder to this day. Is and then still... percentile dice for the subtables, yeah. yeah. Still going on there. It's crazy. Uh, yeah, but... Ah, 
that level of precision is just really hard to achieve with any other die. Uh, unless yeah. you have a scenario where you just want to keep the options minimal. Like, okay, I just, I really don't see a reason to include more than eight things. So we're just going to make this a die eight, equal chance each. Uh, or just skew it so like four times out of eight we get this, and then like a couple other possibilities on the fringe. You can do that, but honestly, uh, at that point, if you want to get down to very precise percentages, percent of dice are the way to go. Yep, and uh, also an honorable mention on that is the Warhammer Fantasy uh, game, which used the percentiles plus die sixes plus die tens for certain stats and other such things. But yeah, they definitely uh, um, mixed it all up with, uh, they just threw in the kitchen sink with Warhammer Fantasy and uh, definitely with uh, the basic role playing. They got a, I think they got their hands around a very solid core system, still pretty much unchanged to this day. Um, but yeah, uh, I think out of all that, also a mention is the singular die 10 system, like uh, Cyberpunk and a few others, uh, Ral Talzorian games had back in the day. Oh my goodness, R. Talzorian. Oh my gosh. I had forgotten them. Yeah. Oh, and... Yeah, just coming out with Cyberpunk Red. Really? Yeah, new, new setting in that one. Yeah, think about picking that up. Probably but, well worth it. Yeah, but, uh, you know, um, they just basically add a number to a die 10 roll and uh, try to beat the difficulty number based on that, which is pretty close to being a die 20, but, you know, hey, there you go. Again, breaking it down a little bit in increments of 10. But, yeah, 10 is kind of the magic number with humanity on par as that goes. Two fives equal 10. Uh, it's... Perfectly acceptable. Yeah. So, uh, two hands, ten digits. <laughs> Not counting toes. Because <laughs> some people don't have the same number of toes. It's frostbite. Okay, it's a Michigan joke. Never mind. Anyway. <laughs> frostbite or incest? Good answer. Oh, good well, okay. Well, that, oh, more, that's south of the Mason-Dixon line. Okay, no. Yeah, we're, we're going to let that one pass. All right. All right. <laughs> I've gone off the rails once again. Ah! In flames, <laughs> screaming and Woo! falling Air right. Boat! <laughs> yeah, and falling right into the sewage treatment plant, catching on fire right next to the gas lines, and then setting the entire town on fire right next to the. I think that's how Chuds happened. Yep, the uh, puppy mill, <laughs> right next to the orphanage, to the nunnery. <laughs> They're all gone. Everybody gone. Pup, dead puppies, and dead kittens, and dead nuns. Man. And everything's covered in burning feces. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Is that what I deserve? Yeah, I don't know. It's probably what nobody deserves, but we all got it coming. No, I, I uh, may run off the rails occasionally, but... No, it's been a good tribute to some of the classic dice. Uh, I, look, not speaking ill of the other dice out there, but you'll notice that the three we've <clears throat> covered, we gave the honorable mention at the first to the famous and overly popular Die 20. It, it's earned its place in yeah. history. Uh, then we covered the noble and often underrated Die 6. The humble but hardworking. Yeah, I, and you can see the depth and breadth of games that really have embraced Die 6 as a means to resolve. And yeah, also uh, honorable mention goes to Tunnels and Trolls, but it bears with a mentioning that 
if we had to say travel was the first list with the most this they were just working with two die sixes and tunnels and trolls like just take every die six that you could possibly find and everything we're not kidding and roll them <laughs> which was the um the uh epicenter of shadowrun i think and then of course we wrapped it up with the ten siders which are kind of the epitome of maximum range mm-hmm. uh for simple resolution it, it can make for convoluted systems uh, in terms of large variety of possible outcomes just by virtue of the fact that you can go from a one to a hundred uh, but those three would comprise most of gaming right there you do not see a lot of other systems that have as their flagship die anything but those three so mm-hmm. I, I think we nailed the big ones all right, and then I'll bring it home for us. I think we covered everything. We did uh, finally include Tunnels and Trolls, the last part there, not to per- preclude you guys, but uh, just remember that uh, you did name the spell. Take that, you fiend. <laughs> so. Oh, did they have a name a spell game or contest? No, they just had a spell name. Take that, you fiend. That was Take your stink. you fiend. Hmm. I like it. Yeah, it's kind of cool. It was catchy. All right, so... Uh, Questions, comments, concerns, I'm sure you got plenty of them. And, of course, you can uh, get a hold of us on Facebook or leave a message for us on Twitter. Correct messages there, as I did Joe earlier. Yeah, talking to you, Joe. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> We're staring right at you, bro. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Concern. <laughs> and, of course, you can get a hold of us on the uh, Anchor app, where you can just... Uh, Send us a message right away. Just record it on your uh, device, your tablet, or your smartphone. And uh, we'll put you on the air and uh, we'll talk with you and about what you had to say and what you think. So please leave us some comments and questions. If you have anything you'd like us to cover, we're going to keep on plugging away here. This is episode 161, and uh, we're almost at 10,000 listens. So thanks, everybody. It took this long, but uh, we're working our way up the, yeah. the charts. So, uh, oh, there will be an announcement. Oh, yeah. You'll hear of this within mere days. Probably a kind of, well, I doubt it. Days, probably <clears throat> weeks, months. No, no, no. I, I mean within mere days of the actual event itself. Oh, when yeah. we cross that bridge, we will mention it. Now, that may be a few weeks off. <laughs> yeah. you know, but, but Getting we close. We will announce it when it happens. So, uh, listener-supported radio like you, we would not be here. So, uh, we want to thank everybody. And, of course... May May the the dice dice always roll in your your favor. favor. We're out. See ya.